This is the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Thursday, October 7th of 2021. I'm your host, Rich Grimshaw, here to practice the art, the craft, and the sport of podcasting. I'm going to follow up on author Tracy Kidder. I mentioned him yesterday, the day before, three days ago. I forget. Time is fleeting. He's an author whose books I read back in the 80s. The first book of his that I read was Soul of a New Machine, for which he won a Pulitzer Prize. And then I read House after that. And then I think I stopped reading him. And as we were doing a word of the day a few days ago, I selected a quote from one of his books or articles or whatever. And I was surprised to see his name. And I thought, wow, it's time to catch up with Tracy and just see how he's doing. Well, I didn't do that, but I did go back and find a little bit about him. And I'm going to relay that to you as part of today's podcasting practice. He served in the United States Army as a first lieutenant in military intelligence, which is an oxymoron, I'm told, in Vietnam from 1967 to 1969. That could not have been fun. He has said that, unlike many other writers, he wasn't much influenced by his Vietnam experience. He said, quote, Of course, whenever you're in an experience like Vietnam, it's bound to influence your work. It's inevitable but I really don't think it greatly shaped me as a writer, unquote. I'm kind of surprised at that. I mean, the shock of war has to influence your your thinking and then your writing, too, I, I think. Well, I'm, I'm not going to argue with him. He says it really hasn't influenced his writing that good, so probably not. He has written 11 books. I think I mentioned that. And uh, <laughs> the first one, The Road to Yuba City, is about... Uh, the Juan Corona murders. And he said it, it kind of traumatized him to know about all the meanness and hostility in the world. And in fact, somewhere I saw a quote that he had, he'd bought the rights to the book back so that it couldn't be published anymore because he just didn't want that stuff out on the shelves. So that's kind of neat. Uh, so I've read Soul of a New Machine from 1981, House in 1985. In 1990, he published Among School Children, which was about 20 children in one particular class somewhere. 1993, Old Friends. I want to read that. That's about two old guys in a nursing home, kind of growing old together and learning about life. 2000 is Hometown. 2003, Mountains Beyond Mountains. Boy, that sounds familiar. Did I try reading that? I don't know. Well, the last book that he's written uh, or published is in 2016. It's called A Truck Full of Money. The subtitle is One Man's Quest to Recover from Great Success. And it's about this serial entrepreneur out in Silicon Valley, of course. But rather than being on the hardware side of thing, which was what Soul of a New Machine was all about, this guy's on the software side. And so it's kind of a, a bookend to... Uh, to his writing. And so I'm curious about it. And it was only $4.99 from the Kindle version. So I bought it. I'll, I'm going to read it. I'll let you know how it goes. Today is National LED Light Day. <laughs> how illuminating. <laughs> really, this is a day. National LED Light Day is an annual event that takes place on October 7th of every year and has since 2010. The goal of the day is to help people understand how much energy could be saved if we all used LEDs instead of other lighting types, like incandescent and CFLs. I remember when Home Depot started offering CFLs at a real reasonable price. This has got to be maybe 20 years ago, and so 
I put a lot of CFLs in the house. And here lately, the last five years or so, I've been trying to replace them all with LEDs. I like LEDs. I like them a lot. For one thing, they don't have a lot of mercury in them and they're easy to dispose of. I'm still having trouble getting rid of the CFLs. But they have a nice light and they last and they're more dependable than the CFLs. In fact, I just, I swapped out all of the big four foot long fluorescent fixtures in the shop and the garage with LEDs and it's so much brighter and I'm, I'm just saving money every single minute they're on. I love it. Let's go to a birthday today. It was on this day in 1885 that Nobel Prize winning physicist Niels Bohr was born in Copenhagen, Denmark. He made foundational contributions to understanding atomic structure and quantum theory, for which he received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1922. Read that date again, Rich. 1922. Bohr was also a philosopher and a promoter of scientific research. He developed the Bohr model. By the way, Bohr is B-O-H-R. He developed the Bohr model of the atom in which he proposed that energy levels of electrons are discrete and that the electrons revolve in stable orbits around the atomic nucleus, but can jump from one energy level or orbit to another. That's a quantum leap. And by the way, you'd never know where those electrons are as they are in these stable orbits. All you know is the probability that they will be in one particular place, which makes the equations real tricky. I remember that from physics in college, so there. Although the Bohr model has been supplanted by other models, its underlying principles remain valid. He conceived the principle of complementarity. Easy for you to say, complementarity. Yep, that's it, complementarity. That items could be separately analyzed in terms of contradictory properties, like behaving as a wave or a stream of particles. The notion of complementarity dominated Bohr's thinking in both science and philosophy. Okay, I've never heard of that term before. Well... Happy birthday, Mr. Bohr, and thank you for your contributions to the world of science. By the way, he was in Denmark when it was occupied by the German forces in World War II, and he got word in 1943 or 44 that they were going to come arrest him and kind of hijack him and get him into their their nuclear uh, program, and so he escaped. He escaped to Sweden and then got to England and became part of the Manhattan Project, where the Allied forces uh, developed the nuclear bomb so that we could drop it on the Japanese and kill hundreds of thousands of people. But I'm over it. <clears throat> today's word, today's very special word, is peculiar. I like the way that sounds, peculiar. It is spelled P-E-C-U-L-I-A-R. Peculiar is an adjective, and it means characteristic of, characteristic of only one person, group, or thing. In other words, it is distinctive. Here's the word used in a sentence. Right about then, Ensberg got himself back on the field, where a peculiar thing happened. He stopped thinking. Well, I don't know who Ensberg is or what he's up to, but to stop thinking, uh, that doesn't sound like a good thing. I, I don't know. That quote, by the way, is from ESPN, so Ensberg is probably a sports guy, a player. I mean, he did get back on the field, so that's what sports people do. All right, we have a little time left, so let's take a question from teambuilding.com. What was something that wound up being totally different than you imagined it would be? And gosh darn, didn't I take this question before? Or maybe I passed over it? I don't know. What was something that wound up being totally different than you imagined it to be? 
Well, the first thing that comes to mind is my life. My life is in that category. I never imagined that it would be like this. I mean, not at the early parts of it. So <laughs> that's one thing. And somewhere along the line, I stopped having expectations of what things were supposed to be like and started to just roll with whatever things were. So that means I have to go way, way back in time, reach way back in the memory to find something that I had some expectations about. And I'm, I'm struggling just a little bit. So let's look at the big events of life. I was born and I wasn't sure what my life was going to be like. And it turned out, it's turned out great. I'm not complaining. I'm the luckiest guy in the face of the earth. Uh, but it turned out differently than I imagined it to be. And it's just different. It's not better. It's not worse. Okay. It's just different. Uh, another big event in my life was being married. It's probably the second biggest event other than being born. And marriage has worked out differently than I imagined it to be. And it's great. And it gets better each and every day. What else could I think about? Those are two big issues. Well, here's another thing that comes to mind. It's kind of a tangent, but it, it's true. And that was uh, playing six-string guitar. I imagined that I would be able to do it someday. And so far, it, it's eluded me. I just, I can't get my fingers in the right place. And it hurts. And I've, I've tried several times. Uh, and it's just not working out for me. Now, let's go to piano, all right, because that's another thing that has frustrated me a lot in my life. And many years ago, I thought, you know, I'm never going to get anywhere on this instrument. So I imagined that piano was kind of a dead end. But here lately, I've been studying with my teacher, Sean Jacoby, and, and we're doing some pretty good things on the keyboards. And we're not, we're not doing the technical studies by Hammond or Cherney or any of those people, and I'm not playing any classical music. We're just looking at jazz charts, and I'm working on chords. And and I've tried to do that before with very, very little luck. But it's working this time around. And my my brain just doesn't hurt nearly as much as it used to when I tried it. It's It's eased up quite a bit. So, yeah, I would say that's something else that is turning out totally different than I imagined it to be. And I'm happy it's that way. And I'm sure there are other things, but they don't come to mind right now, and you don't want to hear me drivel on anymore because we're kind of done, right? By the way, for those keeping score at home, I did not testify in magistrate court today over in Gwinnett County. The judge ruled that the plaintiff just didn't have sufficient grounds to press the claim. And he entered a judgment for the defense. And so I didn't have to testify. I was just happy to sit there and watch the proceeding. I was in the courtroom for about two hours and just watched the judge handle the various cases and I learned a few things, and I, I have great respect for the judge. I think his name is Curtis, Judge Curtis in Gwinnett County. But I was impressed by his ability to control the courtroom. He, I mean, he was clearly in charge, and there were a few times when he had to assert that control. But at the same time, he showed a liberal, he showed a liberal amount of compassion and understanding for the, the plaintiffs who were there to, to just have a judge hear their case and to help them as best he could express what it is they were claiming and help them get organized for it. And uh, the tragedy of the day is that many people who go in and act as their own attorney are just not prepared for the courtroom because it's it's just kind of special, and it's just not the kind of thing that an average person can do. I mean, I, I would not want to represent myself in a courtroom, although, well, no, I take that back. I did. I, d I did represent myself in traffic court one day. You know, that's a good story to tell 
but not today because I'm already long in the tooth on this. So I'll bring that story up maybe later this week. You, you have that to look forward to. That is all for today. Let's wrap up this episode in this 30-gallon trash bag I've got right here, and then we'll stick a fork in it because it's done. I am Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.